those of you, if it's your first time joining me, welcome aboard the Tornado Shuttle here. Hey, there's Sandra coming in. I see everybody. I see my sister Mel. Oh, my girl, Knickknack. I'm telling y'all, it's a full house tonight. You know, I... Um, well, first of all, let me do the housekeeping. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. I go by the name of Tornado. I come in to educate and inform from a faith-based perspective, just to help encourage healing of the mind, body, and spirit that may have been damaged from abuse. If you're not familiar with my story, go back and check out some of the replays. Um, get to know a little bit about my background. Again, here soon, I know I need to do a sit-down scope, introduce myself to a lot of the new followers um, that I have, but... Um, yeah, that's weird because I'm getting a full reading um, on the meter here. I mean, this thing's like all the way up. So um, how's it coming through, guys? Cassandra's saying talk a little bit louder. Can everybody hear me okay? I see Kirsten popping in. Hey, I see Janice coming in. Just want to make sure everything is good before I get started because this is really interesting. Hey, thanks for that share mail. This is a really... Um, interesting topic and it's interesting you know we know that god moves in mysterious ways you know and i know a while back you know i kept having this thing about volcanoes right some of you may remember me talking about it and i even text mail earlier i'm like what was that you i was talking to about volcanoes and you know and, and it's just weird right so anyway i'm out yesterday and i pick up this book and i thought i had it here beside me which i don't all right kirsten says she can hear me hey welcome Teresa. hey glad to see you um so i pick up this book right um Man, I thought I'd put that beside me. I tell you what, I don't have one. Anyway, the book was called Autopsy um, of a Dying Church. Well, I, I picked it up and I put it back down. Then went back, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, go back and get the book. So I go back, I get it, and then I put it back down again. And the Spirit was like, I said, go back and get that book, right? Now, the book was only 37 cents at Hobby Lobby. You guys, some of you guys may be aware they have an excellent um Christian book section back in the clearance and you can get some really good deals books that are still selling, you know, everywhere else for 12, 15, you know, $20. You can catch them. Oh, there. Thanks. Nerd. See, that's what I'm talking about. My assistant popping in. This is the book um, that I picked up and you guys can see I paid 37 cents for this book. Right. So let me tell y'all how this thing worked out. Um, Autopsy of a deceased church. If I'm telling you, if you have a chance and you find a copy of this, I pray that God allows you to get it for 37 cents like I did. But um Reading this book sparked tonight's lesson because not only the way, you know, um, Tom Rayner breaks this down, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, 12 Ways to Keep um, Yours Alive. But this book can really be related to keeping your spiritual um, health alive, keeping your spiritual energy up. I'm telling you, if you can find a copy of it, get it. Because I'm reading through this book like, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know, and it was going on about almost one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this is really good. So as I'm going through it again, it, um, it inspired tonight's lesson. And now to go back and tie in the whole volcano thing, hey, welcome, uh, welcome Hamilton's uh, Mellow. Now, a while back, you know, the Holy Spirit kept pushing at me about volcanoes. And I'm like, volcanoes, Lord, what you want me to talk about volcanoes now? Now, at the same time, the big volcano was erupting over there in Hawaii. Hey, Sarah, thank you for inviting your followers. Thank you. Love that. Um, 
So, you know, maybe it was a little bit tied to that. But then again, you know, as I'm reading through this book last night, it it, it, it reminded me of a story back in 1980. And I'm going to show you guys the video and we're going to frame tonight's lesson. But I want to start out with, I titled tonight's uh, lesson, 22 Seconds. Do you believe? And, and I want to start this out with Hebrews 11 and 1, right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Because, you know, I, I believe everybody in here, you know, we're all believers, you know. Uh, excuse me. So this is what happened when you eat before you come on. Do not eat before you come on air. I, I just broke my own rule. Um you know, we're all believers. We we get into the word, we study it, and we know that there's a kingdom with many mansions. We know that our father is going to come back. At, you know, we don't know when, we don't know the minute, we don't know the hour, but we know that he's coming back. And we know that if we don't live accordingly down, you know, down here in, in this flesh that we have, as I say, it's going to be some trouble, as Bernie Mac used to say, trouble, trouble. Um, so, um, and I also came across a, a quote by C.S. Lewis that I, I want to go through before I play this video. And, and you guys will see how, how this all ties in. Those of you that have been with me before, you know it, it's a tornado ride. I'm always going to put my tornado spin on things, right, to try and help you see uh, from a different angle, to uh, to leave you thinking. As my sister Mel says, give you a little something to ponder. And if this here doesn't leave you with something to ponder, because, I mean, it's had my mind 99% of my mind all day, even before I sat down um, to outline this, is I started reading this last night and I woke up and I'm just like, man, this is deep. I got to tell something. I got to tell somebody about this. I'm turning this into a lesson. So that's what I did. So C.S. Lewis um, from a piece called A Grief Observed. And if you haven't read that, it's really good. A Grief Observed. But in it, he says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong as long as you're merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a prefaces, over a ledge. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it. So now let's frame that from that tornado perspective. He says, you know, as long as you're tying up a box with a little piece of rope, you're going to say this rope is fine. This rope is strong. But if you had to take that same rope off of a box and hang off a ledge, you know, to save your life or to save somebody else, and you're, you're counting on that rope to hold you. That's what our faith is like, right? We have this rope and we say, well, you know what? My, my, my rope is strong. My faith is strong. I know no matter what, ain't nothing nobody can do or say to change my mind and tell me that my God is not real, that my God is not gracious, that I, I, I'm anointed with that grace. There's a purpose. There's a calling. You know, we, we know it. All of us that have been through the scripture, right? So when we put that in this context, and as I was reading that, I was like, wow, wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? So when you sit back and say, man, how much, oh, okay, I say I believe, but how much do you really, really believe? And I heard a, um, saw a joke earlier as I was going with it, but since there have been um, a number of shootings, you know, throughout church, I said, man, no, you know, I can't put that in there. It's not the time for that. But, you know, it basically 
boil down to, you know, two people come into this church, uh, they wreak havoc and, um, you know, they say, um, you know, who's ready to go out? Who, uh, you know, who's ready to take one? And I guess half the people, the deacons, you know, the choir, everybody left. And it was only a couple of people, about 20 people out of the 2000 congregation left. So the people, you know, took their um, you know, took their masks off and said, okay, well, pastor, that was easy. We cleared out all the hypocrites, right? So uh, uh, how strong is your faith really? How much do you have in it? Now, some of you remember back, maybe back in 1980, who remember, you remember Mount St. Helens? I know I had to do the math. I'm like, how old was I back in 1980? I hadn't even made it to the double digits yet. Do y'all remember when Mount St. Helens erupted? I know somebody in here remembers that. And I remember um, hearing about it because at that time I was nine. I hadn't even um, actually. Yeah. So I would have been turning nine that year when it happened because it happened in May of 1980. So I hadn't even turned nine yet. But, you know, going through school, you know, hearing about it. But again, with the, you remember it, Karen, with this topic being put on my spirit and picking up this book, it truly tied in. Um, tonight's lesson. So now if you were familiar with um, Mount St. Helens, the big eruption, you know, then you may, some of you may be familiar with the name, who's familiar with the name, Harry R. Truman. This man truly um, went down as a legend. Does that name ring a bell? Sorry, I wasn't born until 89. Girl, be quiet, Denise. I graduated from high school in 89. Hush your mouth. <laughs> Ow. Oh, I'm dating myself now, but that's all right. That's all right. Does anybody remember the name Harry R. Truman in association with Mount St. Helens? Do you remember Karen? Because, I mean, he truly, he truly um, went down with the ship, man. I'm telling you, this guy here, woo-wee, I was able to put a whole lesson together from this guy. But um, <laughs> if you haven't heard that name, and we're not talking about the president, um, Harry S. This is Harry R. Truman. This dude, I'm telling you, you'll see when I run the video. But he was a homeowner at the foot of Mount St. Helens in Washington State. There was nothing that nobody, no expert, no neighbor, no family member could come along and say to Harry R. Truman to convince him I graduated in 1966, so I date all of you in school, but it wasn't in the 80s. Oh, my goodness. Um, there was nothing nobody could do or say to convince Harry R. Truman that that mountain wasn't going to erupt. And I'm telling you guys, as I watched this, I was just like, wow, his, his faith is strong. You know, and this lesson isn't centered around, you know, whether he was saved or his faith or anything like that. It's looking at the depth of his conviction because there was nothing nobody could do or say to uproot this man. And I said, now, if we just had 89.9999% of the people that truly say that we're Christians and we truly call ourselves Christians to come in with the faith that this man had um, and wasn't going to be convinced and give up his ship that that um, volcano was not going to erupt. I'm going to run this video so you guys can see it. Let me check this here so I'll remember to come back and unmute myself. If I forget, y'all remind me. But just check this out, right? Now, um, um, tr uh, Harry Truman's home, it was down at the south end um, of the volcano where everything went down. Pretty much, you know, there was, it was, um, he was facing certain deaths. Stan there was saying, you know what, I'm going down. It, it, it was, um, 
equated to committing suicide, right? You know, and his family begged him. Even the experts were like, come on and go. Let me run this and you guys will be able to see. Let me make sure this is queued up. The, um, the faith that this man had. And then we'll go, we're going to discuss this and go around this lesson and break this down. Let me pull this up here. No, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> Damn right I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay here. If I left, it'd kill me. If I left this place and lost my home, I'd die in a week. I, I couldn't live. I couldn't, I couldn't extend it. So I'm like that old captain. I'm, by God, I'm going down the ship. I said, if the damn thing takes this mountain, I'm going along with it. I'd rather be dead for than to live without it. Truman, however, is refusing to leave his home. I'll get in my yacht and get out on the lake and get away from that lava if it ever comes down this far. <laughs> yeah. Harry's Lodge is situated on the southern bank of Spirit Lake, placing him right in the middle of the red zone. His whole life is there. Boats, motors, the livelihood. Um, the, and he'd been doing this since the 20s, really. Some people who live near the foot of the mountain are concerned about their safety. He told a number of people that if I had to leave this place, I'd die. I wouldn't live. But the other thing was he didn't really think it was going to go. Harry's decision to ignore the warning soon attracts the attention of the national media. I know we weren't invited. Well, well, no, make no doubt that happens. They don't need to do an examination up here. He let it hang out. I mean, he talked to the reporters, and he'd run through everything that he did and, and Truman's life and uh, his famous line, you know, that Harry's part of the mountain, the mountain's part of Truman. You know, without him, it just, he wouldn't survive. With an energy equivalent to 1,500 Hiroshima atom bombs, rock and superheated gas shoot from the volcano at terrifying speeds of up to 400 miles per hour. Within seconds, the scorching surge of energy overtakes the speeding landslide towards Spirit Lake and Harry Truman. So if you're at Spirit Lake, you would see the landslide coming at you, then you'd see this cloud rushing at you, and that's what hits first. So this ferocious cloud coming very fast, very hot, smashing down every tree in the way, and if you're in a lodge like Truman's Lodge, it would just shatter. Then the landslide would have come behind and smashed what was left, and then the lake water would have, that sloshing up around the hills would have come down and buried that. Harry Truman and his beloved Spirit Lake Lodge disappear under hundreds of feet of ash and rock. They estimate that Harry had about 22 seconds from the time the mountain first started to rumble to when the landslide would have hit him. A lot of people think, gee, that was quick. Well, if you stop right now and you count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 2004, and you get to 22, that's a hell of a long time to see your life pass before you. Wow. I tell you, every time he gets to that part where the guy says, if you count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, that's a long, it may just seem like 22 seconds. But as he says, if you think about it, if you just sit down and do it, 1,001, 1,002. 2003. That's a lot of time for your life to flash before your eyes. And as I watched that, I was just like, that's deep. 
that's powerful because if you think about those if you say you truly believe or those that don't believe and we know God is a gracious God right because the ones you know uh, uh, even the bibles you know one of the greatest truths you know where the two men that were crucified, it came down to the end. You know, if you're looking at um, Luke 24 and 23, you know, just hours before the death there. But Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we know he can be a forgiving God at the last minute. But the question that this makes me pose by watching that, the last few seconds of that, 22 seconds is a long time. Since we don't know the day, the hour, the minute, when he's coming back, why wait until that last minute? How many are sitting waiting until that last minute? Right. He had no chance to escape when it started. You know, they even said that when that eruption kicked off, it was equivalent to 1,500 Hiroshima atom bombs. And if you've seen any of the victims, any of the people, um, the ones that did survive, what they looked like from the bombs that went off over in Hiroshima, 1,500 of those going off when that mountain erupted is nothing um, compared. You know, all of that heat and that gas, nobody on that mountain. So when he said, when Harry R. Truman said, I'm going down with the ship, and you could hear the, you know, he was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not giving up my home. I will get on my yacht, and I will go out in that lake and run from that yacht, uh, from that lava. But we know when the time comes, ain't no running ain't no hiding. So why wait until that last minute? Why not enjoy life now without having to sit and say, hmm, if you're truly saying that you believe, looking at souls, truly saying that we're Christians and check out um, at Fuel by Hope Scope um, that she did. She went through and she listed out, uh, she read an article where they listed out the different types um of Christians that there are that there are that was some kind of faith that was some serious faith Nick uh serious because you could hear it in his voice he was like I'm not going nowhere I would rather and actually I put it down because I did not want to um misquote him he said if I had to leave this place I'd die I wouldn't live he was not giving it up but then if we know if we look you know look at second Peter 3 and 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works are in it that are in it will be burned up you know so all of these things we we, we or we kill each other over. We build up all this jealousy, all this hatred, you know, all the, all the rigmarole, as I like to call it, all the flesh on parade, as Mel likes to say, over things that aren't going to matter. Because when it's time to head up to that upper room, we can't take any of that with us. Or if it came down to 22 seconds, the way they say he had, Harry had approximately 22 seconds and standing there looking at all of, you know what they say first the um first the landslide you know coming down all of the rock coming down that volcano moving at speeds of 400 miles an hour there were even people that tried to outrun the landslide the lake everything but and even though they had warned them see that's another important part 
even though they were warned before, they had put in blue and red zones saying, don't go in this area, don't go in this area. Just like now, we have 66 books of warning, but yet and still, people, I don't believe none of that. Well, half the people didn't believe that that volcano, that Mount St. Helens was going to erupt. Oh, it's just a little rumble. It's just a little hiccup. That was a devastating. Hey, welcome, welcome. That was a devastating event that took place um, on that day. Uh, what did I put the exact, but it was just uh, May 18th, 1980. That, that was something deep and you guys saw it there. So then if we look again here, um, as we talk about, you know, the many who don't believe, but we look at Matthew 24 and 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. So I'm not going to sit here. Ain't nothing. None of y'all or anybody else outside the four walls of this home can convince me not to do right, be right. And as I say at the end of all my videos, not to walk good, do good and be good. I'm not going to have the last to 20 seconds, 22 seconds of my life sitting there like, oh, did I do this? Did I do that? Lord, can you hear me? I got 22 seconds. Will you please make sure I'm safe? Please, Lord. No, that's not the time for that. When the trumpet sound, the time is to be like, I'm ready for the upper room. Let's go. That's what that is time for, right? Hey, beloved, you know, not sitting there reflecting back. And again, I have to insert in, I do not know what his faith was, his religion, you know, or what he believed when he stayed on that mountain. But just the the two things I referenced from that is just the way he was like, I'm not leaving. There is nothing that y'all can tell me. I don't, mm -mm, and I don't believe that mountains, uh, that it's going to erupt. Just his strong faith in that and just saying, man, if we truly had that amount of faith every morning when we wake up until the time time when we lay down and then we get up and repeat that same amount of faith and then relaying that to other people and saying, don't wait, don't wait until the last 22 seconds. Maybe next time when you're out mentoring to somebody, you can go to, you'd be like, let me show you this on YouTube real quick. Um, are you out, you know, you're having a, let me show you something on YouTube about the last 20, don't wait till the last 22 seconds. I'm telling y'all, I could turn, take this tornado style and turn it into a teaching moment because to me, it was very powerful. Hey, Mama Moses. Um, and then if we look here at 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. Now, body, I know some of y'all already, body, that word means within the body, the body of Christ. What have you done? What are you doing? As the old song, what have you done for him lately? You may have done for the neighbor. You may have done for self. Um, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Um, doing for self and forgetting about our father. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. So a little bit of heads up. So when it says what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, it doesn't mean what have you done within this body, but you know, and you have to remember that when you're reading through this, sometimes we take things as, you know, meaning 
this body, this flesh? What have you done within the body of Christ? You don't believe me? The receipts is out there. Go check it out. Then if we look at uh, Revelation eleven fifteen, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. There ain't nothing nobody uh, can say or do to convince me otherwise. Hey, fam, I just had a had to adjust for a minute to her moving in grace. Looks like she's on TV. Hey, Mama Moses, glad to see you. Um, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me find, I lost myself in here. And it's, there's a lot of people on. I lost myself in the scope. I don't manage to do that when I tell y'all. Mm -mm -mm. I need an assistant. Anybody want to come be my assistant while I'm on TV? I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, let me get myself back up here. But, you know, th that's the whole premise of this. Instead of waiting until that last minute, why delay? If we look at also Ecclesiastes, like I said, we got 66 books that remind us why we do not need to wait. Don't sit there and wait until it comes down like Harry that last 22 seconds to make Make that decision. Make that decision now and live a life that's fulfilled or live a life with purpose and without worry instead of saying, what if you don't have 22 seconds? Because, you know, nowadays, um, you know, we trust our lives to a lot of people. Let's put it in perspective like this. You may not even have that 22 seconds. You may be backing out. What do they say? Um, what is it? Like 90% of the accidents happen within three miles of home. Some of the fatal accidents, you know, but, um, you may not have even that 22 seconds to reflect. What if, boom, boom, there ain't no time. So, hey, I'm just giving y'all a little something to ponder. That's all I'm doing. Just put, just giving you something to think about other than, you know, if they bring him back another season of scandal or what's going to happen with Cookie and Lucius next time on Empire. This is the stuff we need to be focused on instead of all that other tomfoolery that's going on out there, right? Think about the amount of people that we put faith into. When we step on that plane, we have full faith in that pilot that we're going to get from point A to point B. Doctors, when you lay down and they put um put you through the anesthesia, then they knock you out, you know, and you just out and you you just sitting there saying, Lord, I got my faith in this. I, I, I'm, I'm praying that this works out. You're putting your faith in man. But when, when somebody turn around and say, well, if you got that much faith in the pilot, you got that much faith in the doctor, you got that much faith in the nurse that she ain't coped up um, on something before she came to work. She's reading the charts properly. She's making sure all the is out the syringes before she hooking you up with everything. You putting your faith in people, right? When you get on the bus, you putting your faith in the bus driver, the Uber driver. You got faith that that Uber driver going to get you from point A to point B and you hop out the car and go and do what you're going to do, right? When you go in a restaurant, you yeah, you putting faith in them people. Now, unless you Nehemiah and you somebody's cup bearer and somebody tasting your food and um, drinking and making sure everything is okay. 
But otherwise, if you don't have a Nehemiah standing beside you, if you ain't familiar with that story, go check it out. If you don't have a personal Nehemiah beside you, tasting and drinking everything, you're putting your faith in those restaurant workers, that they're not putting something in your food, that they didn't take your steak or your potato or whatever and rub it across the floor. You're putting faith that they're following the health guidelines that they have on gloves back there. And while you sitting out there just smiling at your boo, oh, thank you for taking me to dinner. Oh, I love you. You know, and you, you ain't even thinking because you got faith that they're doing what they're supposed to do in that kitchen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. You have faith that the construction workers, when you walk in and you lay down at night, they put all the nails in, they put all the beams in. And when you lay down and turn out the lights, all that faith in people, but little in God. Amen. Somebody see where I'm going. When you turn out the lights, your roof ain't going to come caving in. You have faith that, that, the, that the construction workers did what they were supposed to do, that they didn't take any shortcuts. Then you said, you know what? I got faith that that electrician didn't come in that day, jacked up on something and get his eyes a little crossed up. So when I turn on this light switch, uh, wire A wasn't plugged in where wire C was supposed to go. When I flipped this light switch, everything ain't going to be like, cack, cack, boom, boom. I know when I turn on this switch, my lights is going to come on. Lord, let that be light. Amen. So we put all of this faith in the in things, in people, um, even down to products. When you go to the store, you pick up that new device, you get it home and you plug it in. You got faith that the, either the machine that it went through or the person that put the chips in, put everything in properly. So when you go to charge it, you don't get burned up, right? Amen. Put not your faith in, man. You have to watch those workers, right? But it's like second... It becomes second nature. We just assume we take something out. We know we have faith that it's going to work. And don't let them put the little guarantee. Oh, it has a guarantee on it. I know this is going to work. And it's got a three-year um, it's got a three-year warranty. And, girl, I bought the extended warranty. You know, well, we do that, right? I have a couple of things, like my paper shredder that's sitting here. I said, man, I don't trust the manufacturer's warranty. So, go, yeah, go ahead and give me the extra three-year warranty on this. You buy that extra warranty warranty. But the one thing with our God, when our faith is strong, when our faith is solid, we're not waiting on that 22 seconds. We don't need that extended warranty. When he went to that cross, and, and he took uh, uh took the uh the the the, the you know, took took the um the you know, the the Oh, my goodness. See, I'm trying not to get worked up here. <laughs> when they pierced him in the side, when they pushed the thorns into his head, right? That's where your extended warranty came from. When he sat there, as I say, and didn't say a mumbling word, the only thing he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's our extended warranty. That's what we go by. But with everything else that's man-made, generally, we want an extended warranty, especially if you look at it and you say, this was made where I have never even where is this country and you get to googling and say I ain't never heard of ding dong wherever this come from so um yeah let uh, either let me get two in case this one break or let me get the extended warranty but we do not need that extended warranty with our father so then I post here I, I came across another quote that said 
Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that they, and I know Mel will like this because she loves that King James Version. Therefore, seek not to understand that thou mayest believe, but believe that thou mayest understand. So if we're believing from the beginning and we say, God, give me the wisdom, the understanding to understand everything that's in these 66 books of guidance that you've given us. And we don't have to wait until it comes down to that 22 seconds, right? We know that we fully understand. And if we don't, we go and find somebody to say, you know what? I don't quite understand this. I need you to break this down a little bit more for me. Break it down. And sometimes people feel so <laughs> sorry, Mel. You know, sometimes we get a little embarrassed. We're reading a passage of scripture and we say, I really don't understand this. It's like in school when you're studying. If you just read through something, but you don't fully comprehend what it's saying, then you even manage somehow to pass the test. Then it's time to put what you learned into action. But because you fully don't understand it, you didn't want to ask questions because maybe your friends was going to laugh at you. Or, you know, sometimes if you was that one to raise your hand and ask questions because everybody else wanted to lead the class, it's like, be quiet. Stop asking all these questions. You know, and you felt like, man, I'm just trying to get some understanding. Please do not say, if you're reading through scripture and you're like, okay. I really don't understand this. The point is to understand what we're reading so we can better apply it. That's the only way. Wisdom isn't just reading it all the way through saying, well, I read the, I read the whole Bible from front to back. But if you truly don't understand and comprehend what you've read, how are you going to apply it? Amen? There's just no way. So don't let anybody sit and say and have you to the point where you're afraid to go and ask. And if you go to especially someone that's supposed to be a leader, just say if you're in a church environment and then you're made to feel Oh, they don't have time to answer it. Come back later. Or, you know, well, you know what? I, I preached it in the pulpit. Couldn't I make it any clear? Well, clearly you didn't because I'm here asking, Mr. Pastor, is there a deacon or elder or anybody else, maybe even an usher that I can speak with? And, and all that getting, get, understand. Exactly. Make sure you understand it. And if there's nobody within that to ask you, maybe pick up a commentary. But, you know, like I don't like to lean too heavy on the commentaries myself. Myself, especially since I come on and you know and I'm putting these lessons together because sometimes if you lean too much on those commentaries you become dependent on them but after a while if you need them every now and then say okay let me look over and see um you know what strong says or oh let me see what Matthew Henry says about this whatever one that you like but don't become dependent on that get to where when you're reading it through like that one piece of scripture um, 2 Corinthians 5.10, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See? And then you go out and be like, you know what? What you doing in your body, Tyrone? That ain't right. No, see? Mm -mm. But by understanding, you're able to say, Tyrone, what you doing within the body of Christ, whether it's good or evil, the day is going to come when you're going to have to appear before our Lord for that. And you're able to break it down the way it's supposed to go. So don't let nobody knock your learning. Not at all. Because there's always somebody that's going to know. And then once they tell you, then go back and say, you know what? I'm still going to fact check. Go back and check those receipts because nowadays it's a lot of stuff 
coming from misfits and pulpits. So just make sure uh, it's coming across properly. But I just want to again play before I close this out, just the last few minutes um, of that video when I close out. Because, like I say, it's so powerful. And I told y'all I was going to be able to bring this lesson in and tie this thing in. You know, that 22 seconds to see your life flash before your eyes, sitting there counting a thousand one, thousand two, thousand three. And as I'm going through it, right, Sarah, we all receive information differently. Like I can sit in the classroom and somebody that can lecture and lecture and lecture, but, and it's just like, Either I need to get in and apply my hands to it and start doing it, or I need to be going through dissecting my parts that I'm going to need a little bit more help with, you know? Um, but I just can't sit. You can sit and tell me something. You can tell me over and over. Mm -mm, it just don't work like that. So even the same for me, when I come home from church, oh man, I got that. I understood what he said, but now let me go back in my notes and dissect this a little because I need to get into this a little bit more for myself. I still need a little bit more clarity and understanding to make sure I got this thing right. So everybody does done, learn differently. Some people, they can sit and listen to eight to 10 hours of lecture and they can just remember it word for word. My brain just don't work like that. I have to be hands-on with something. Let me try and, you know, let me hold a spoon. Let me stir this myself. You know what? Let, let me try and cut this a couple of times. Let me just do it. Give it a little uh, whirl here. So um, that's how it works for me. So then I want to close out before I run that video again. Um, let's look at Ecclesiastes 11, 3 through 4. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So do you, you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. That's a wonderful passage of scripture there, Ecclesiastes 11, 3 through 4, to go through and break down. But a lot of the times, if we're trying to look at the wind and we're trying to, you know, you know what? Mm, I don't think I'm going to wash my car today because it looked like it's going to rain. And then at the end of the day, man. It didn't rain. I could have washed my car. You know what? I really want to plant these uh, begonias out here. Mm, let me see what the, yeah, I think it, yeah, it's supposed to storm. I'm not going to plant. So we can't judge that he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap as you do not know what is the way of the wind. That's a wonderful passage to sit down and break down and study. If you have, that's another one too that I would say if you have small kids um, at home to sit down and really break down and have them to go through and study with them. That's a wonderful passage there. But I want to run this video again and close out with O'Harry because I'm telling you, y'all that already saw him, you're like, oh, Mr. Harry R. Truman was something else. On May 18, 1980, he truly stood behind what he believed. So before I run it, I say, 
Well, are you ready to truly, are, are you truly standing behind? Is your faith 100%? Can nobody come along and convince you otherwise that our God is not gracious, that our Father does not sit in the heavens awaiting on us, that that trumpet is going to come and sound? And we know that it may, it, it, anybody that's still here, it may not be that 22 seconds. We may not have that. It may be the blink of an eye. We never know. I could walk out right now. You know, if it's time to go, it's time to go. Uh, well, we don't have any control over that. But just think, do you really want to trust it to come down to 22 seconds? Do you want to trust and say, man, what if I really don't? What if that O'Tor is on to something? What if I don't have that last 22 seconds to reflect and have my life to flash before my eyes? Let me run this again real quick. Let me switch over here. Let me mute myself. And actually, I'm going to close it out because after I run this video one more time, let me go ahead and say thank you to everybody that came in with me tonight. I, I hope you guys found something. Let me switch to this one. I hope you guys found something to maybe say, hmm, that is a little bit of something to ponder. Man, that's something I need to think about. Or I had a friend that when I used to say, well, she used to say, yes, well is a deep subject. Now say what you got, say what you got to say. I, I hope it gave me a little something to be like, man, 22 seconds. Ooh, do I want to wait? Who can I go out and talk to and said, don't wait because you may not get that 22 seconds. Come on now, come on now, come on into the body. Come on, come on, get ready, get ready, get ready. That's what we need to be working on instead of a lot of this other stuff that, you know, the devil's like, yeah, I got him sidetracked now. Mm -hmm. And especially we coming into the fall. I know y'all be watching that stuff. Everybody already counting. Got their fall lineup listed out. On Monday, I watch this from this to this. Then I go to this channel. Then on Tuesdays, I go from this channel. Mm -hmm. I know y'all got y'all lineup. Y'all like fall coming. All my shows coming back on. I ain't mad at you. I ain't convictualizing you. I ain't got to do that. Because if you got the Holy Spirit in it, in, in you, that's what he come in and do. That's his job. I just keep my hands out of it. But I love y'all. Until next time, walk good, do good, be good. And I'm going to run this video and then tornado, I'm going to be out of here after that. I love y'all. I really do. No, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> Damn right I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay here. If I left, kill me if I left this place and lost my home, I'd die in a week. I, I couldn't live. I couldn't, I couldn't extend it. So I'm like that old captain, and by God, I'm going down the ship. I said, if the damn thing takes this mountain, I'm going along with it. I'd rather be dead for than to live without it. Truman, however, is refusing to leave his home. I'll get in my yacht and get out on the lake and get away from that lava if it ever comes down this far. <laughs> yeah. Harry's Lodge is situated on the southern bank of Spirit Lake, placing him right in the middle of the red zone. His whole life was there, boats, motors, the livelihood, um, and he'd been doing this since the 20s, really. Some people who live near the foot of the mountain were concerned about their safety. He told a number of people that if I had to leave this place, I'd die, I wouldn't live. But the other thing was he didn't really think it was gonna go. Harry's decision to ignore the warning soon attracts the attention of the national media. No, we weren't invited. Well, well, don't make no doubt that nothing. They don't need no invitation up here. He let it hang out. I mean, he talked to the reporters, and he'd 
run through everything that he did and, and Truman's life and uh, his famous line, you know, that Harry's part of the mountain, the mountain's part of Truman. You know, without him, it just, he wouldn't survive. With an energy equivalent to 1,500 Hiroshima atom bombs, rock and superheated gas shoot from the volcano at terrifying speeds of up to 400 miles per hour. Within seconds, the scorching surge of energy overtakes the speeding landslide towards Spirit Lake and Harry Truman. So if you're at Spirit Lake, you would see the landslide coming at you, then you'd see this cloud rushing at you, and that's what hits first. So this ferocious cloud coming very fast, very hot, smashing down every tree in the way, and if you're in a lodge like Truman's Lodge, you would just shatter. Then the landslide would have come behind and smashed what was left, and then the lake water would have, that sloshing up around the hills would have come down and buried that. Harry Truman and his beloved Spirit Lake Lodge disappear under hundreds of feet of ash and rock. They estimate that Harry had about 22 seconds from the time the mountain first started to rumble to when the landslide would have hit him. A lot of people think, gee, that was quick. Well, if you stop right now and you count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1004, and you get to 22. That's a hell of a long time to see your life pass before you. All right. Get right, saints, before it's time to go home. I love y'all. Walk good, do good, be good. Tornado, I'm out of here. You all know the Torah. 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 Torah.